I know you're Scott Calvin. You know you're Scott Calvin. So let's make this simple. I say name, you say Scott Calvin. Name? Chris Kringle. Name? Santa Claus. Name? Père Noël. Babo Natale. Père's Nicole. Papa Gigio. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown Welcome back to Blood and Black Rum Podcast Festivus Series, where we're covering your favorite Christmas films all December long. You can expect to hear episodes on The Santa Claus, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3, and more. So tune in for all of your favorites. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Crown Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com and I'm joined by co-host Martin. How's it going? And we're back with a episode for a movie that we didn't announce last week. We we didn't say anything about this at all. So it's kind of an interesting way that we've now cut out Phenomena twice. It's going to be our, one of our new uh, running gags. Yeah, we're just going to announce we... that we're going to do Phenomena at some point. When will we get to Phenomena? Who knows? Yeah, I know. Well, we were, I was just taking a look at the schedule, and I didn't realize it like last week, but now when as we're recording this episode, there's only four weeks until Christmas, so if we did Phenomena this week, it would leave a lot less time for us to do our annual Christmas episodes. And we Festivus. Yeah, the Festivus series. And we try to do that, you know, like every year, so... I I just thought it wasn't a good idea to do Phenomena, you know, just in case we wanted to leave enough time to do all of the Christmas movies that we wanted to do. And so like, and there's a lot actually that I can think of that I want to do. We already named a few today. Um, And in the intro, I, we named some that we definitely are doing like um, today's episode, the Santa Claus, but there's also Silent Night, Deadly Night three, which we have to continue the tradition. We do a Silent Night, Deadly Night every year. So we're going to run out of that in two more years, but still, we're, we'll, we'll do it until it's dead. <laughs> we're going to rename our podcast the Warm Side of the Door podcast. I think that would actually draw some people in because they'd be like, I know what that is. That- Everyone knows because it's always Christmas on the warm side of the door. The One of the things that's really funny to me, though, is that that song, like, it doesn't have a following whatsoever besides, like, people who know Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's like, Why? I'm, you know what? When um, why doesn't it ever get played? I'm gonna call up the local Chris, uh, Christmas stations that are playing, you know, nothing but Buble, yeah, and Josh Groban twenty four seven, and you know, you request Dominic the Donkey. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, why don't you give this lovely forty five from nineteen eighty a spin? It's called the Warm Side of the Door. I think you should. I think that you'll find a lot of them will not know what it is, and they will be pleasantly surprised. And like, this is a Christmas staple. It's a holiday staple. You want one thing? I do want to ask because I don't know if it's like mainly like a northeast thing or not. Is the Trans Siberian Orchestra like a huge deal across the country, or is that just like a northeast thing? Kind of like how nobody really likes Dave Matthews, except right. the people of New York and around the, you know the Saratoga Springs area. That's interesting. I don't know. We'd have to throw that out to listeners because 
It's a big thing around here. And the weird thing and about I do, the, and I do, and I do, that's one of like the few like Christmas music that I actually like. I like Trans Siberian Orchestra. I've seen them, and they. Were, I would love to see them. They were good. The show is long, and they did two parts to the show. And the first part of it, which was like some sort of like Christmas Eve like ghost, story time, I think it was like yeah. a Ghost of Christmas uh, Eve is what that. That's what not doing. my favorite. I like when they get into actually like the more uh, Christmassy music because that's kind of more like a story. And I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I was I liked the music part of it more. So I have seen them live. Um, but they're a huge thing around here. The it, weird thing about it is they always come and play after Christmas. Like this year they're playing, but it's December twenty seventh. It's like what's the point? At that point, December twenty seventh, I'm like, all right, let's get to New Year's and then that's it. It's it's gone. The magic is gone. They um I was because I was hearing on like uh when I was driving to work, I was listening to Picks 106, the class, one of the cla- thousands of classic rock stations around here. And uh, they were saying, like, they were uh, revving up for the tour and that they were, like, rehearsing. And it was, like, in some random state I never would have thought, like, North Dakota or, like, Wyoming or Montana. Like, somewhere out in, like, the That's where they Midwest. were playing? They were rehearsing. No, that's oh, where rehearsing? they were. Yeah, like, at, like, their headquarters. Well, I was just I was just wondering. That's like a th- like I don't I don't know if they're like a phenomenon across the country or here because for those if you don't know they're like it's classical like Christmas music played classically but with like a lead guitar player who shreds like it's you know like a Metallica album right I I don't know maybe they are maybe they're not I'm I'm not really sure I I feel like they're pretty well known though um it's probably a thing everywhere I think people really get down it's just like like I was talking about and you didn't really. No, but it's like Mannheim Steamroller. It's like every time Christmas comes around, break out that Mannheim Steamroller album because it's the only time really that you're going to listen to Mannheim Steamroller. I never know of anybody else listening to Mannheim Steamroller at any other time besides when they break out like his uh, synth Carol of the Bells. Uh, and it's just, you know, like multitudes of synths playing in harmony. But we're in that time of year. It's We're, we're there. And... uh so what we were talking about before, though, is um, we do want to cover like a, a few different films and we have a, a few on the docket. Um, I'm not sure the ones that we'll do because we only do have four weeks. But, the, you know, this week we're doing the Santa Claus, the, the classic 1994 uh, Tim Allen vehicle that has spawned a number of um, unwanted sequels, <laughs> two <laughs> unwanted sequels that came years later. Um, but I, I actually meant a number of uh, noted um, catchphrases and, and uh, lines that people use because I tend to quote the Santa Claus quite a bit. Um, but we also are looking into doing, like I said, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Um, there is potential for like a jingle all the way, although I don't know if we'll do it this year. Uh, we talked about Home Alone. I don't Again, I don't know if we'll do it this year. Um, there's like uh, a bunch of horror films like Christmas Evil, Don't Open Till Christmas, uh, home for the holidays. Um, there's so many. There's so many we could cover, and and so then you get then you get stuck on it, and you're like, what? Actually, what do what do we want to do? Um, I can think of so many. I would just let's just do uh, Christmas Vacation and Krampus again. Do, do 2016 Festivus again. I'd be fine with doing both those movies again. Like each year, add more layers to it. Like pick more and more. Like yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be interesting. Um, and that's actually something that we're going to bring up today on this uh, the Santa Claus episode because um, I've watched the Santa Claus like every year for the past 
like 15 to 20 years. Yeah. And there are still still things that I've picked up in this uh, viewing that I've never really picked up on. Uh, And one of those is the timeline. And we'll talk about that when we get into it. But there is some value in re like even just a year later, rewatching and reviewing um, a film that you did last year, like Krampus and finding the nuances again. And maybe you find things that you never really noticed about the film. Um, I'm not saying that we're going to do that, but there is some value in that. And I think for me, I am a person who really doesn't like to revisit things that often. Um, I'm always like on to the next, on to the new, but especially in with like Christmas films and Halloween films, I will watch them again and again. And and you do notice new things every time you watch them. So, um, I did see, uh, Daddy's Home 2 in the theater, which I, I kind of wanted to bring up because, th- surprisingly, th- that's a Christmas movie. If you haven't uh, no, seen know, the trailers I, for it. I did, I did. Th- Facebook was like, yeah. it's been bombarding me with it. I did see that the other day, and our local theater was busier than it was for Justice League. So, take that a... Take that at face value. I don't. I don't know what that means, but uh, it was kind of just interesting because we went on the same night. We went on a Tuesday night, and it was busy, busier for Daddy's Home too. Probably because John Cena's in it. So John Cena was a delight. Uh, he was a lot of. I mean, he wasn't in it for very long. Obviously, you. The trailer actually makes him out to be more of a character than he really is in the film, but he is in it uh, for a few scenes, and he is a delight. Um, he plays that sort of you know, what you would expect to see it be like a gruff figure, you know, like someone who doesn't take any shit and you don't really want to mess with him. And then all of a sudden he breaks into song at the end of the film. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, but it's not really a spoiler, but he breaks into song and you're like heartwarming John Cena. Like, Oh, his heart melted. He's like well, the he, Grinch. Well, in wrestling, he's not like Grinch. He's all about hustle, loyalty and respect. And yeah, being a good guy, he's the ultimate ultimate babyface. Yeah, I did. I I like that. I like that about that. So you you see the other side of the of John Cena. It's nice. It'd be nice if he was an asshole. Everyone's been wanting him to turn heel for you know ten yeah. years, but not never never gonna happen. <laughs> That's a different topic. So uh, yeah, today we're talking about the Santa Claus. One thing we got to mention: big news, really big news. Yeah. Um, Ryan texted me this news, and it yeah. was it's like the thing that'll never end. We have. 20 more uh, Marvel films to look forward to after Avengers 4. Yeah. Not 20 more in general. After Avengers 4, yeah. they have another 20 slated. So the announcement was that, um, so obviously we have Avengers Infinity War coming up. So Avengers that would be 3. Avengers 3. Um, so Which that's the trailer not... just dropped today. Yep. And, and that's I, not until February. And I haven't seen that trailer yet either, but I saw the teaser for the trailer yesterday. It was stupid. Like, had, like, <laughs> it was just them like showing old clips like, you can't wait. For tomorrow's trip. <laughs> and it's like, this doesn't get me going like, oh my, I can't wait, I can't I wait. I think I can wait. Yeah, I know. I don't, I, like, I don't care. Like, I'm I'll, I'll wait. Um, But the bigger news was that after Infinity War, obviously there are a few other Marvel films that are coming out. Black Panther. Ant-Man. Ant-Man Wasp. versus Wasp-Man. Uh, Wasp, Wasp guy. <laughs> Wasp-Man. Whatever it is. Uh, And then I can't remember the other one. I don't remember the the last uh, one that would be coming out with that. How? Um, and, but after that, there would be Avengers four, as yet unsubtitled. And then after, and that Avengers four is going to be like the finale to this 
arc arc of the Marvel film. So it's it is gonna like try to give it some sort of like closure. Uh, I, I'm assuming in in sort of like uh people die. There's some big change up to the universe, and then from there there are 20 more slated films to come after that in the Marvel universe that would take place after the in you know the Avengers four. Uh, finale, which would change up the Marvel universe significantly. So I don't. I no don't, one really knows what that means. Does that mean like the, a new slate of like characters? Like, uh, is Robert Downey Jr. technically like quote unquote retired from Iron Man? Is it someone he's new? Have to like. Can you imagine him like <laughs> agreeing to be like Iron Man till he's like sixty five? I yeah. I mean, I even I would, if, like the, by the by a certain point, he's gonna be like, look, I got enough money. I'm good. I would think that it means in some way either retiring some of those characters like Robert Downey Jr. Maybe Robert, maybe he dies in in Avengers Four or something. Oh, Venom! Venom was the other one. Uh, Venom, yeah, that's right. But I would say in some way the change up has to occur either uh, in a new thing in the universe or a different universe or something like that. I would assume would be after Avengers 4, but the the big news is that they have 20 more movies lined up, at least. And 20 we are, more and movies. we've already said we're getting pretty damn fatigued. I, I obviously, we... a lot of these are, like, just notions, you know, ideas that they have for the next sequences of films, but still, 20 is, like, an astounding number. I know. It's, <laughs> it's like, hard to imagine, <laughs> to be honest with you, like... Well, we're going to be in this for the long haul till 2026. Uh, 20, uh, so just just hold on tight. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 crazy to when, me. But When they announced that with Star Wars, that might be the day I check out. Like, all right. Done. You got enough of my money now. Star Wars, I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to switch over to Star Trek. At least they're you know, a little bit more controlled in their releases. They're yeah. not just... They just do stupid shit like, hey, we got a new Star Trek TV show. But it's only going to be on Online. one special <laughs> channel uh, yeah, that you have to pay for. On CBS, yeah. yeah. You know, instead of you know, airing it on television. We can't do that, boys and girls. We got three different versions of NCIS to have on. Los Angeles, regular, you know, New Orleans. Isn't that one a New Orleans one? It was one. They don't really have any. In, uh, well, they have NCIS and then they have CSI. So, like, Miami, CSI. No, like, NCIS yeah. does have, like, three different, like, spin-offs. Yeah, they so. have NCIS and they have NCIS New Orleans, and I think that's it. I think Los, Los Angeles, too. Maybe. I don't know. It's, like, just ridiculous. I follow it. It's, it's, it's like what happened with Law & Order. Law & Order was great. Then SVU. I know a lot of people love SVU. Still going. I know, but I don't think it's as good as, as the original Law and Order. And then they had like trial by jury and criminal intent. And it's like, yeah. He's like, stop. I don't know. All right, on to um, beer talk. Beer talk, because uh, we have a new beer on the show today. We've had um, this style on before, uh, but it's a different one today. It's one. It's one we've never actually covered here on the show. So we're talking about Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn Brewery. Which I don't think we, we've done a Brooklyn beer. Well, I think we have. I think we did the Summer Ale on here. Well, maybe you're right. Yeah, yep, no, that was dead. a year ago. But yeah. we did the Summer Ale. Um, but this time we have the Brooklyn Winter Lager. And there's a distinction here that's important. Because Brooklyn also makes a Winter Ale. But this is not the Winter Ale. They're not the same thing. We've had the Winter Ale. Um, it wasn't like... The Winter Ale itself wasn't really um, all that spectacular. Not memorable. I really don't remember it that much at all. However, the winter lager is really good. It's different. It's a Schwartz beer style. 
Um, and I, I had never had it before, so I picked it up, not really realizing that it wasn't the same thing as the winter ale. Which, by that, the way, also kind of an interesting choice as your um, main style winter lager being a Schwartz beer. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying it's a bad thing, because black lagers are very good. Um, but it's just it's just not, interesting because, yeah. like, like out because again, like outside of like Saranac, who has probably around at least around here the most famous of black loggers and short short beer in their black forest because mm-hmm. it's it's a year round staple and probably the best black logger you'll ever have. It's just it's just, it's just interesting to me, like for a winter logger <laughs> in their choice to be uh, short beer. Just like I said, just because it's not like you know. Yeah, it's not, not a common a, style, really. Or at least around, you know, around yeah. here. Which you'd think it would, because the whole feel and, and profile and taste of, like, a Schwartz beer, like, encapsulates the Adirondacks. It does, yeah. I think that Brooklyn Winter Lager is, is a tasty beer. Um, it is pretty much the epitome of what I would think of as a Schwartz beer. Um, very much, it has a lot of caramel note to it. Um, subtle chocolate notes to it, really heavy malt presence. Um, mouthfeel is pretty, uh, pretty like, yeah, I would say it's, it's, um, it's kind of, it's not super thick. It's not like stout, like thick, but it is, it's got a nice full body to it. Um, and I would say that it it's really good as a, I, I like it a lot more than their last year's winter ale for sure. I think the winter ale is like a staple for them too. They might just be doing this too. Because I have, I, I have said, like, I've the, never seen this. I've always seen the winter ale. Right. I have not seen the winter ale out this year. I've only seen the winter lager. Maybe the so maybe one. they. I think they've replaced the winter ale with the winter lager this year. Because on the bottle, even for this one, it says Brooklyn seasonal. So I think that they're this is like their seasonal for this year. They're not making the winter ale. Um, but I, I would agree. It's it does. I for me like the like taste profile front of it when you're first sipping the beer, drinking it caramely, uh, not overwhelmingly sweet though. It's like more, it's more of a, like a bitter caramel. And then you're right with like chocolate notes. And to me, it's like a very dark chocolate, you know, very rich, nice, clean finish to the drink. Very, very easy to drink though. It's got, you know, those flavors, very malty, nice and bready. As you said, it's got, you know, pretty, pretty big body on it. But it's really good. I like I, Schwartz beers is one of my favorite styles, especially yeah. in this time of year. The only thing that I would say about this style and any Schwartz beer really is that it's not a really good like food pairing beer. Uh, in terms of like if you're if you're having like a meal, eat licorice. <laughs> yeah, it's not really good to pair with a meal. It's like a dessert. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a dessert beer. You're not gonna want to go and have dinner with this. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would say. Like, I mean, after I, could, I, the fact. I would say if I was like, if in this time of year, if I was eating like steak, a potato, and some like asparagus or green beans, I would drink this with it. Like, like you gotta have like a hearty meal, or like mm-hmm. maybe if you're drinking like yeah, or having like a hearty soup, like you're like on like a cold winter day, like having True. having some French onion, it'd be a good beer to go with it. Yeah, I mean, the other day I had spaghetti. And I had this beer. Right yeah, now that was, was yeah. pretty weird. Uh, yeah, yeah pretty pretty good weird heartburn combination. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird. It was a weird uh, combo. But running for the antacids. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, though, I think it's a really good dessert beer. I think you know, um, if you want to forego the coffee and you want to go for a beer instead, if you're you're you know you want that alcohol, um, this is a good style to have rather than your coffee. Um, 
because you're getting caramel notes. You're getting the the dark chocolate presence, which I think is a combination of the chocolate tone, the the notes in that, and also the heavy malt presence. You know, the malty presence that that brings out like what it would taste like a dark chocolate in it, and I, it's really good. I I would definitely recommend it. Um, and if you were not that impressed with like their winter ale last year, uh, definitely seek this out because they are different. And I think that's not. It's kind of bad for Brooklyn that they did not give this more of a distinction in terms of name. So if they have Brooklyn Winter Ale, um, maybe just call this one something. You know, Bro- instead rather than just saying Brooklyn Winter Lager, maybe call it a name so that there's not that confusion. Is it, like, is it the same thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though ale yeah. and lager. If you're are beer. not interchangeable, but still, I mean, you can still mistake it. Like, okay, well, you did a different process within the, you know, the beer brewing, but is this central taste pretty much the same? No, no, you're right. If you if you're somebody who knows beer, then you know you clearly know a diff- the difference between a lager and an ale. But if you're more of a layman trying to like, oh, maybe I want to try, you know, something different, or was asked to go to the store and like grab something, you know, you'd be kind of no, you're right in that sense. And I think even if you have a bad memory like me. And you're just thinking, well, I've had Brooklyn winter before. You may not you you may not go out of your way to get the lager because you're thinking, well, I had the Brooklyn winter last year. It was probably the lager, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I I just tend to like recognize names better. You know, if it has a specific name, I'll know. Okay, nope, I haven't had that one, and I'll try it. So just uh, food for thought for Brooklyn. But other than that, really good beer. I I, I enjoy it quite a bit, and. Uh, would definitely get it again. It's in 12 packs right now. It's out. And uh, it has a nice, fun bottle, too, because yeah, it's... Yeah, I love it's, the fur. It looks yeah. like it looks, you know, came out of Skyrim. Yeah, right. exactly. It's, it's got a fur. It's almost like a, the bottle is wearing a fur coat. So. Yeah, no, it makes, doesn't it just make you want to go to God's be praised? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. But go raiding some dwarven tombs. I... Well... No, you I'm, haven't played Skyrim. I haven't played then. Skyrim, so no, I can't well. really mention that. Well, you know, you should. I will, at some point. 500 hours of your life. Poof, I will. Gone. I will. It's right, a perfect let... game to play when you have a baby. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to get away from, you know. Yeah, I need to, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, when our... it finally drops, <laughs> sorry. No. When it finally drops enough in uh, price for the PS4, I'll get it again to play through the HD version. Just do it again. Why not? Do it again. Before I got, like, my PS4, I started replaying through Skyrim. It's a fun game. I like it. It's a hell of a lot better than Fallout 4. All right. Let's talk about the Santa Claus. Uh, as we said before we even did the show, we both could do a podcast episode about the Santa Claus without actually watching the Santa Claus. Uh, I've seen it so many times now. Uh, I can quote most of it. I really, We really didn't need to watch it. But the fun is in watching <laughs> it because there is a lot of fun to have when you're watching the Santa Claus. Um I think part of the appeal of the Santa Claus is Tim Allen. Um, Which, if for those of you not in the know, what a big deal Tim Allen was in you know the '90s. This was a big deal. This was home prime home improvement territory, and what? and the the Santa Claus does not take a moment to not remind you of that in some way. Like there there are certain moments here. That are clearly designed to be to have callbacks. All you um, need, all you need him is to go. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I mean, he does. I mean, in some ways, he is making those grunting noises. Um, but I, I do think that in in this film, they intentionally are drawing that parallel to like, hey, 
Tim Allen's in this. He's also in your favorite show, the favorite sitcom that's airing right now, Home Improvement. Because there's those, there are a few moments like when uh, he's first, when he's cooking the turkey at the beginning of the film and totally botches it, really fucks that turkey up big time, which you mentioned, how the hell do you burn a turkey so bad that it catches fire? Especially because at the beginning of this, he's opening the cookbook and he's seeing the recipe and it says four hours to cook a turkey. And they, obviously, he does not have four hours to cook this turkey because it's what he's getting home late and it's probably seven o'clock already. Put it, put it just threw it, put it on broil and threw that turkey like you know, pow, you know. <laughs> I mean, what did he do to this turkey? Did he stick it next to like the the burner? Was it like on the burner that just touching it and it caught on fire? How did he burn a turkey like that? Not only that, in but such every, a short he had time. everything else already made, like the potatoes. And, <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, that too. Like everything, like the whole spread of this meal, which is pretty huge, which is only for him and his son, well, already set on the table. And, and like, everything else about that too had to have been baked, because like some of that stuff, like I I saw like some baked, I don't know if it was yams or some carrot spread or something, looked baked. Had to have been in the oven. So maybe he's had this oven preheated to like 700 degrees. Like you say, he's, he's just it, fucking throwing everything in the oven. Thro- you know, broil. <laughs> Throw it on there. And then, yeah, but but whatever the Works case. Works for the Burger Kings. Un- unless maybe, potentially too, that turkey was super fucking dry. Because it would have had no time to baste whatsoever. There, that, it it would have been literally just a dry turkey. That he threw in the oven. So maybe it's possible. It's like, that's like putting a, like a lighter next to a dry Christmas tree and just watching it go up in flames a la like Christmas vacation. I I could, I guess I could see that happening. Whatever the case, he sets that fucking turkey on fire. And uh, in order to put it out, he has to grab his um, fire extinguisher, which he conveniently keeps in the in the kitchen which i'll agree probably everybody should have a fire extinguisher in their kitchen i don't have one i definitely don't have the industrial fire extinguisher that he has in his kitchen um but he pulls that out and he kind of gives that like home improvement spiel of like it's always good to have a this is why it's really important to have a, a trusty working fire extinguisher in your kitchen you just need al borland to pop out yeah and yeah. It, like cuz he's already like demonstrating it home improvement style and i don't feel like that's a i don't feel like that 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 was just a coincidence it was like that was definitely designed to be like hey remember this guy if you didn't if you didn't realize this is tim allen from home improvement but there's that other scene too where they go to uh the workshop the olives workshop and he's trying he actually picks up like a toy um tool belt and he's like trying it on it's like another callback and i don't know if this is one either this seems like a stretch but when he's going to put on the pants, the, the Santa suit, and they're going to the first house, he's like, well, I sure hope that they are a tailor. And he was he was a tailor. So and that might be a stretch. I, know, <laughs> I don't know, but that's just a word. I just I, I just noticed that one that you pointed out. I, I wouldn't have made the. I Yeah, I don't know if that's, that's technically a connection, but I, I always make that connection just because. You know, he always says it, and it is kind of a weird, you know, like, who said, not many people, like, say Taylor. It's not a word that gets, not, like, No, you don't, like, bandy that around. <laughs> and most people don't bandy bandy around either, but, I guess. But, yeah, you're not like, hey, you know where I gotta go? After I go to the grocery store and then go to my doctor's appointment, I gotta go to see my, my cobbler. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> you know? right, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe not, that's... Not the, guy, not, not the delicious dessert, you know. 
someone who makes shoes. That that may be no. it. I, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's a reference. Maybe it's not. But I always <laughs> I always pick up on that whenever I watch the film. Um, but I, I like I said, I think that Tim Allen does make the Santa Claus what it is. Um, at this point, he was really like hitting his comedic stride in terms of just just the the um. Like the slapstick humor, sarcasm. the sarcasm, yeah, the the sarcasm that he would bring to it, and I think that really works, especially in the beginning part of the Santa Claus. I love when Me- like the principal, like they're sitting down after, you know, Charlie. They have you know, bring your parent to work day to, I mean, bring your parent to school day to tell you about their profession. Yeah, and Charlie's having a meltdown because he thinks his dad's Santa, because he is Santa, <laughs> and then afterwards they get you know. Char, um, Tim Allen and his ex-wife and fucking Judge Reinhold and all his glory. They get brought into you know the principal's office and they're like you know Judge Reinhold's scolding Tim Allen, asking him what happened you know on Christmas Eve, and he's like uh, he's like what what'd you do with Charlie? And he's like uh, ate a bowl of sugar, <laughs> drank some brown li- liquor. By the way, what does he mean by brown liquor? Is it bourbon, whiskey, like just just not like something clear. Yep. I don't ever refer to my liquors by you know color, but mm. this is great. It's like yeah, you know we you know we yeah listing off. He's like shot you know field dressed cat field dressed cat shot my guns off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's it sounds it. like Tim Allen like going through his like cocaine days. Like you know, I mean like pretty much is like well, that's what I did today. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I I do like that part as well. Because he, he never really lets down on the sarcasm there at the beginning of the film. And I think that's probably my favorite part of the film, too. Um, when he's actually turning into Santa Claus and becoming, like, the... Obviously, that's the change in his character. Um, but I do prefer that, you know, the sarcastic Tim Allen who's constantly delivering, like, ridiculous uh, one-liners and stuff. I love when he uh, comes... Talking to, talking to the elves about homeowners insurance. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite moments, though, is when he pulls up to uh, the Miller house because Laura's having a conniption because Charlie's still... Like, it now it's weeks after Christmas is, has passed, and he's still having this... Uh, this you know, he, he believes that they, they went to the North Pole and that his father's Santa Claus. So, Scott comes over, he pulls up, and... Uh, Laura comes out and she's like, well, uh, yeah, he's jumping around on his bed in red galoshes <laughs> and, and Tim Allen just replies, yeah, yeah, that that's fine. But I didn't ask about Neil. I'm, I'm wondering Wait, about we'll, we'll just judge Charlie. Yeah. yeah. And that's so fu- I I love that part just because of like the, just very wry delivery of that. It's, it's great. It's a, it's a great moment that I think like just those moments within the Santa Claus that, um, well, you know, like this is a, a family movie, it's a PG movie, but some of those things are really going to go over the heads of those ki- of kids, you know, like those, um, those witty banter moments that, that Tim Allen gets even, this is one thing that I never really recognized in the film until like I got older and, and w- as I was watching it, but you know, the rose, such a clatter, uh, mm-hmm. reference. And then the, the ladder actually appears and it says rose, um, such a like that, like S U C H A K, and it's like a reference to the actual name of the ladder. I never really got that until way later when I was watching again, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I, I understand what they're saying now." And I, I, I guess I never really noticed the plaque on the ladder itself, but 
is a little clever wordplay about well, the, a literal ladder. Well, and the title's a clever <laughs> wordplay, too. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. Santa Claus, but spelled like a contract clause. And that's how he gets into this whole debacle. Yeah. I mean, I think that the writers did a really good job with that, too, because that's an ingenious little play on Santa Claus. You know, to actually have a literal clause within this one small little business card that Santa Claus carries around with him that's like, oh, you know, if you try on this suit and pants, you're you're fucking Santa Claus now. I hope hope you're happy with that. Which, by the way, I love it's like... Like any good contract, it's in, like, minuscule writing. And I also love, too, like, when they, you know, Bernard the Elf's showing him that clause. They're just, they're talking about the clause, and while they're walking around, they just so happenstance to walk by a fucking magnifying glass so he can hold it under so he can read off the clause. (laughs) Yeah, one thing that you notice about, as you get older, you notice this about the Santa Claus, is that a lot of things that happen in it, seem to be really sinister, like, on maybe unintentionally from the writer's standpoint, but, like, watching it, you notice, like, some of those things that are just like, wait, why? Because, like, why would Santa Claus, if he legitimately loved his job and he wanted other people, like-minded people, like, if he so happened to die to love their job, too, why would he put the clause in fucking so minuscule writing that you can barely read it with a microscope so that someone else would get stuck with this. It almost seems like it's a, a burden. It's a chore. And it's like Santa Claus, especially when at the when he actually falls off the roof and he's kind of waving goodbye. Yeah. It's almost like, fuck you. You're <laughs> stuck with this now. Like, he's like, I'm free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a curse. And and well, what should I say? This would be great. I want to see a prequel. So like, is this the original Santa? He's been Santa for like 2,000 years? Or is he like the seventh Santa now? Because in the clause itself, it says, you are Santa in perpetuity. Meaning, you're Santa forever until, unless... Yeah, by design or by accident. Yeah. So, again, so what does that mean by design? What is Santa's lifespan if it's, you know, by design? Because by design would hint at, like, he's got some kind of expiration date. Which, so, yeah. So, again... How long does Santa live for? I mean, it would be a long time because his elves live mm. for 1,200 years. So how long could Santa possibly live for? Way, way longer. So, but yeah, is, is it, that's not clear. But I I do think there's that like sinister undertone of like, do you really want to be Santa? Like, it's kind of a burden. Well, it's funny too because the, the, if something should happen to me, put on, you know, the suit. Big letters right on the back, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But the actual clause of what happens once you do that, you know, and you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you're stuck in it now. And yeah. next year, you're gonna get fat, and you're gonna become me. Well, to be fair, because of all the magic, you, I mean, you don't get a choice in loving the role. You're kind of forced to love the role because through the magic of becoming Santa, you know, you're just like, yeah, fuck, it, I'm Santa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that like the whole idea of becoming Santa, um, is, I, I guess I wouldn't say sinister in a way, but it is. It's almost like at that point you you really don't have a choice. Like it, you're you the magic does force you to become Santa. And you bring you brought up a good point with in terms of Charlie. So um, Charlie at the beginning of the film, uh, Scott's son or Tim Allen's son, uh, he's really not into Scott. So he doesn't like him. He doesn't want to stay with him on Christmas Eve because like every '90s movie that has a 
A father and a child. Literally rip this from Jingle all the way. You Well, that's what that comes after. Right, this. exactly. Or liar, liar. Or li- yeah, exactly. Like any mo- jungle, another Tim Allen movie, Jungle the Jungle. Yep. Where, you know, it's very stereotypical, especially for the time, for the 90s, where, you know, the parents are separated and... Oh, the, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire, You, you, you yep. mentioned that ex- too. But he, he really, he's... That's di- that's different in a case though because Robin Williams really loves it. like from the get go. He, really he really loves, loves his, his kids. kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is kind of it seems like Tim Allen's like, I love my son, but this, yeah. you know, all of this is a fucking burden to me. Right, right. You know? Yeah. But um, but that is yeah that is, that is a trope for those '90s movies like dad working hard, always working uh, like lots of hours, working at the you know not coming home late until late. Uh, got a kid, but you know eh, whatever. And and uh, Jack Frost too. Yep. Jack Frost. Same same scenario. All of these have the same scenario. And uh, we're just gonna like throughout the rest of this episode, <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna, gonna, start we're, gonna we're just gonna randomly just shout out like, oh, oh yeah, that is elf. <laughs> but yeah, no, like no, you're right. Which by the way, I always found like stupid, especially like in Jingle uh, Jingle All the Way, because they're not divorced; they're still married, right. and she's bitching at him, like. You don't ever see your son. He's like, I'm working all the time. I'm, yes. so- I, I'm sorry for you know the house. This overly Having a great house, house and- you know, in suburban America next to Phil Hartman. Yeah, you know, God. I, I, even as a kid, that like bothered me. It's like you, you ungrateful bitch. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like. I don't even think she has a job in that. Like, well, at least, I, like, Mrs. Doubtfire. I can't recall, yeah, I can't recall if she has an actual job in that, if she actually goes out to work or not. Because a lot of the time, she is home, because that's when Phil Hartman comes over and stuff like that. But we may, we may do an episode, so we won't we won't. But then again, the same thing here. Like, what, what is Laura's job? Nope. Oh, she's just married to a fucking psychiatrist right, now. Yeah, so yeah. that's how she... So, so like, yeah, she really... Laura here is, um, again, it's like a trope for that type of, like, uptight mom figure that... Nothing but conniptions. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, in general, like I would say, the mom from this one and the mom from Mrs. Doubtfire are very—I would say—very similar. You know, in terms of how they yeah, react, she does, and, and she does kind of look like if you took, which her entire look and style in this totally ripped off from Uma Thurman and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, which you can tell it's like, yeah, Pulp Fiction just came out. Everyone's talking about Pulp Fiction, but she does look like Uma Thurman from that and Sally Field from Mrs. Doubtfire. If you kind of just like. You know, smash them together. Like, yeah. Take Sally Field's middle agedness and Uma Thurman's panache at the time and <laughs> put them together. Got the Santa Claus. No, but what? But what? My point. What I was getting at is, uh, so Charlie in the beginning, he's really not into staying with Scott. He doesn't want to stay there at, uh, on Christmas Eve. Doesn't he? Doesn't like staying there. Scott's kind of an aloof father figure. Uh, clearly, doesn't know how to do much of anything. Has to take him to Denny's. For, uh, uh, for Christmas Eve dinner. Which, wow, what a great plug for... Like, yeah, okay, you're going to Denny's. Yeah, wow. Oh, by the way, everything you want, oh, we're fucking out of. Go to Denny's, you know? Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, not a good advertisement for Denny's, for sure. Um, but, so, so Charlie, for real, for most of, the, of that first part of the movie, is really not into his father. But when his father starts to become Santa Claus, that's when he actually finds his connection to Scott. So, is there really a character development for Scott, or is it just the magic that is turning him into Santa Claus? And so by and by Santa Claus has to be jolly and nice. Like is, does Charlie really like Scott at that point? Or does he only like Santa Claus because 
Scott has to be Santa Claus. I, I think Charlie likes his dad be- because he's Santa Claus. I think, yeah. I, I think if they n- never went to the North Pole and all that, he'd be like, I hate my dad. There's definitely an issue here with, um, and I'm not saying like it's it's a big issue where people are like, I can't watch the Santa Claus anymore. <laughs> but um, there is that, that sort of storytelling, you know, because in most films, you have your main character who starts out in one place, ends up in another. In this, you can't really say that's the case for Scott because he's he's almost, he, he loses that self-control. If he didn't become Santa Claus, he'd probably still be that aloof father figure, not really caring about his son, uh, you know, just there when he has to be there. Not only that, too, um, he is aloof and kind of goofy, like, while he's trying, like, slowly turning into the role and person of Santa, but he doesn't really accept the role until Thanksgiving, when he's supposed to go back, and then he looks at the snow globe that Bernard, the head elf, gave to Charlie, and he sees, you know, the flying reindeer, and then he's like, I am Santa. Yeah. So it is, like, almost like, yeah, no, it's more like the magic. If there was no magic involved, he'd probably still be an asshole, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that is a definite, that could be the implication here. But I think that's, but I think that's also, you're right, it's probably an intentional implication, though, because it's like the magic of Christmas. Yeah, Turns, Ch- changing you. It can make, you know. Even the most miserly person yeah. into a nice, nice guy. If, yeah. it can, if it can make, you know, Scrooge into... Kind and warm hearted and the Grinch than Tim Allen can't do. That's true. That's true. Um, we were talking about sinisterness in the, in the Santa Claus, but there's also like a lot of mean spiritedness too. Don't don't you think that in some ways there's a like so it's all directed at Judge Reinhold. At <laughs> Judge Reinhold, but also at Scott because when Scott first starts to become Santa Claus and like it happens in like a week's time where he starts to grow a beard he starts like putting on the weight. putting on the weight he walks into work with his uh uh the sweat green sweat or the gray gray sweatpants and sweatshirt uh which by clearly, the way i could never do i could never go out in public no, in, like sweat never in that. sweatpants no, no. Well, I just, my favorite part <laughs> is that not only does he he goes out in the gray sweatshirt and his gray sweatpants but he's put on his a like fancy goes, overcoat his nice sports coat. Yeah, like, and he's wearing Converse and his, you know, some Chuck T's and his sweatpants and uh, I, I, like I said, I could never do. No, that. I no. could never in my wildest. It's one of the reasons why I don't own a pair of sweatpants. I know they're comfy and they're great to wear around, like like a pair of pajama pants when you're going to bed. But I, I could never go out in public in a pair of no, sweatpants. No. It just has such like a negative connotation. Like, ugh. yeah. I mean, but I love that, though, especially because he also, like, kind of runs up to the door and then steals himself like nobody saw. Nobody, nobody saw, like, you just ran, like, three steps <laughs> and then had to steal yourself to, to come in the office. But um, there is that mean-spiritedness, like, when he gets in and, like, literally people are just like, Staring Scott, at what happened to you? What yeah, happened? What's your weight? I know his boss is like, your weight? What happened? It's like, oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Hi, Pe- Hi Peter Boyle. Thanks for that. Can you imagine well, now somebody, if you walked in and somebody was like, what happened to you? You're looking fat today. You get fired. And you, yeah, you would be like, well, that was fucking harassment. I can't believe, you know, I'm having a bad day already. Well, well it's, a, it's, a, it's the same thing too with like the girl sitting on the bench thinking that he's Santa Claus and she like slowly. Oh God. Over. Yeah, like, oh God. Like, oh my, like today that'd be like, yeah, pedof- you know, pedof- can't do that. It's pedophilic. I mean, yeah. It, I just like. <laughs> 
Yeah, that that is like an understatement because after that occurs and and Laura and Neil come up, Scott's like, this must look pretty awkward. (laughs) But at that point, I think now in 2017, you wouldn't be like, that looked pretty awkward. You'd be like, holy fuck. I don't know. You know, she just jumped on me. I really don't know what happened there. That was not me at all. You you'd be like trying to figure Someone out hacked, any sort- somebody hacked my Facebook. Through, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody. So going back to that like uh, that office scene though too, like not only does Peter Boyle bring up his weight, so this is a very direct and pointed like, whoa, your weight. Um, not only that, but you also have um, after Scott orders the uh, like the entire dessert menu for for his lunch, uh, the woman next to him is like. It was a bee sting, Scott. It's like, fuck off, lady. <laughs> Clearly, I was lying about that. But thank you for bringing up the lie and just making it even worse. You know, uh, that, again, is like a what the fuck moment where you're like, who says that? Who would do that? And then you're like, well, you're fired. Especially if, like, you work in an office job like that. Yeah. Like, he has to work with her, like, often. <laughs> and then he just knows, like, Oh, you uh, you called me out on my weight. But that's not the only thing that they really uh, talk about in detail and, and make fun of. Uh, one of them is Neil's sweaters. Uh, Judge Reinhold. He has a cavalcade. He, he does. Of f- fancy wonder... designer pattern sweaters, which totally fit the early 90s. I'm wondering if like somebody was like saving these up. Because they are truly bad. Or they maybe they went to... I could see them going to like Salvation a Goodwill Ar- or yeah. Salvation Army and just finding the worst ones that they could possibly find that would fit Judge Reinhold. And they don't even really fit him that well, to be honest with you. They, they are like not good fits, you know, in, in terms of what you'd normally see in like a... For wardrobe design, you know, they always generally have like a well-fitting shirt and they're not, <laughs> they are not well-fitting. I love when Bernard goes up to him and like, hey, that's a nice sweater. We make that. Yeah, He's like look, trying to look at the tag to figure out whether or not. I'm wondering if Santa Claus and and the elves actually tag their work. Like, what does it say on it? Does it say like just Santa, Santa in handwriting or something like that? And they made it, or or is he looking that it doesn't have a tag and then it doesn't say like Macy's or something on it? Well, no, because then like when the, he gives when Santa gives uh, Laura the mystery date game it's by oh, Mil- yeah, yeah, it's it's by- made by Milton Bradley so apparently so, they just like they Santa outsourced the work yeah. you know that's how things like that get invented he yeah just- I would I would say he has to because from what we see in the um the toy factory they're only making like actually like like buildable toys like airplanes and and like shit. trains and stuff like that like, shit no kid in yeah, the 90s wants no like, one uh, is asking for those toys so it's like I feel like that's just a way, like, Bernard hasn't really broken it to them. That is, like, actually all of your jobs have been outsourced <laughs> to Milton to chi- Bradley and... China. Yeah. No, because, I mean, it is, no, it is funny, because, like, they have, like, the old school, like, wooden airplanes, and it's like, no kid's like, hi, that's what I want for Christmas. Trust me, I know. As a kid in the 90s, you know what I want? A fucking Sega Genesis. <laughs> yeah. It does what Nintendo. I want Sonic 2. I want Street Fighter 2. I want Mortal Kombat 2. I want the Vector Man game. I want Madden. God damn it. You know. So you, if, you, I, if I got like, oh, look at, you know. I'd be like, what the fuck's this shit? I want Jurassic Park action. I want an RC car. 
what's this, you know, paper airplane crap, you know? So you're saying that Charlie wouldn't want a uh, snow globe. He's kind of tarted. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Charlie. <laughs> um, Got that great bowl cut from the 90s. Yeah, oh. absolutely. You were the only one that didn't have I that. I did not have one. I didn't have the hair for it. You had a rat tail instead. Yeah. I, you know, I love Judge Reinhold in this. I per- I don't particularly think that his acting is very good in this film, but I don't think it has to be. Like, it's the perfect level of wooden, because that's exactly what Neil is. A w- the- very bland wooden? Yeah, yeah. Well, we can tell from, like, at Christmas dinner, he's making a pita wrap filled with sprouts. It's bean sprouts. The it's entire like- pita is bean sprouts. When it's, Bernard pulls it, it out. Like, it looks like confetti, like, you know, like, you know, like streamer shit, like, from a party, like, like, you know, that's how much, like, bean sprout. It doesn't look like, like, what's in there? Did you put mayo in there? I don't know why anyone would, like, Bernard grabs it. I don't know why anyone would grab that. That's just a bland old bean sprout pita. Is he, it, is he having hard times pooping? Like, but I, I mean, like, they were the original hipsters. Because that that is a very, like, really, 94 pitas with bean sprouts in them? That's, I, I was impressed. Not even California is, you know. I, w- I was expecting them to have a nice cold craft beer as well. Like, especially... Hey, honey, this this new beer company called Sierra Nevada just opened. I hear from the guy who stars in Halloween 6, good things about him. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... I don't know. I, I like Neil, and I, and I like Judge Reinhold in this film. Like like I said, I don't think he's, he's, he's actually, like, a great actor in this, but I don't think he needs to. I I like the his delivery, actually. I don't know if it was an intentional choice, but I no, like I mean, it. No, I think it is, because he's pretty stiff and wooden in the rest of his films. Like, yeah. I remember him in, like, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. True. And, like, yeah. you know, he's always been... It's kind of like his shtick is to be, like, yeah. you know... I, I mean, drive, I, dry, you know... I love that, because he almost is, like, not even a, a person or a thing. He's Remember, like, when he's questioning Charlie about Santa Claus, he's getting a kick out of, like, trying to prove this, like, eight-year-old kid wrong, right? He's like, well, what about reindeer? Have you ever seen them fly? Uh, what about the time span that it would take for Santa Claus to to uh, roam across the world? And he's, like, getting a kick out of this. Not only that, I love, too, like, in the, like the scene, when like, again, with the principal, and they're talking, he's like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> He's like constantly like throwing that around. Like I'm a doctor. You know, yeah. Like, well, let me go first. I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I. So I think those. And yeah, but he's like, it's like if I was Tim Allen, like, yeah, you're a doctor. I'm a fucking toy company exec. Yeah. Which we don't really exactly know, but he's in like a boardroom. He pitches. Yeah. Ideas. He, he, I mean, I would say that he he is uh, part of like advertising for a to- major toy co- corporation. He's got a pretty damn good job. I know? would say, yeah, it, as lucrative if not more. Yeah, that you know, being a psychiatrist. So I mean, yeah, I, I would say that he has a, a very good job, and um, he does lead. That does lead to like one of the funnier moments in the film as they're rolling out this new toy, the Total Tank, the Total Tank Which for that's Christmas. A, such a '90s name for a toy. Like, Get your Total Tank. Yeah, and the whole like advertising idea is that the total tank is being piloted by santa claus it's gonna be his new sleigh for christmas he doesn't need no sleigh and reindeer no more he's got himself a panzer three to go down 
Yeah, and and Scott just comes out with the because this at this point he's becoming like into that Santa Claus spirit. He's like I love, embodying I love, it. I love it too when he fir- when he first looks at like okay Santa's getting ready. He's like look at you like flash. He's to him. literally he's like, excited. I know he's like eyes lit up. He's like swiveling around. That's in his great. Chair. That shows Tim Allen's yeah. range. <laughs> it shows his range in terms of like emotions, emotions and facial facial uh, uh, expressions expressions that he's got. Uh, so he lights up there, and I just love that, you know, when he, he actually reveals that it's Santa Claus on the turtle tank, he's like, well, isn't that a pretty picture? Santa Claus rolling down the block in a panzer! <laughs> it's a great so moment. Good. Oh my god, it still makes me laugh. It, 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 it still makes me laugh, too. I, there's, a, there's a lot of things in this film that still make me laugh to this day. Um, the, the one that really gets me, too, is, like, we talked about that Denny scene. But when they go to Denny's and he sees that dad, because everybody, every dad and their kid is in Denny's. And that's, I mean, it's his stereotype, obviously, but I still single, find yeah, it single, funny. Yeah, single dad. dad bringing her kid out on Christmas Eve. But he sees a dad across the room and he said, burn a turkey too. And he just holds up a burnt hand. <laughs> it's just like, you get the picture. <laughs> no, no dialogue needed. And Tim Allen replies with like a whoop. <laughs> um, which that whole scene in like Tim with how Tim Allen was acting at Denny's, kind of like how I imagine like your dad would be like, yeah, like, absolutely, like, like absolutely, like, just like reading, so reading, reading, like you know, like yeah, like, <laughs> yeah Judy reading the the uh, the insert on the table that says, uh, "I'll have a delightful glass of seasonal eggnog." Ice it cold, liter- literally. Ice cold. By the way, every drink in here is either ice cold or, you know, ice cold milk. Ice cold eggnog. I don't want eggnog to be... I don't want any drink to be ice cold except water on a scorching day. Yeah. I don't ever have, like, like I gotta have an ice cold Gatorade. <laughs> you know. I, yeah, but I like that. Like, that's that would be like my dad, who would who would pick up the the sign on the table and then read it like literally because he does read it because it you can see both front and back and he says like delicious seasonal eggnog on the sign and he that's what he says and th- that is like my dad i i agree and my dad does kind of look like tim allen so i do get those those kind of like memories of like yeah could could be my dad if he and and my dad is kind of republican too so <laughs> it does fit the bill i guess um <clears throat> Yeah, I, we also talked about how they had candlelight, you know. For <laughs> what? What? Denny says a candle. Not only that, but, especially today, they'd be like, that's a fire hazard. You can't yeah, do no, that. you don't have unshielded <laughs> candles anymore. Like, if you're gonna have a, a candle, you have to have at least have like, like that glass protecting around it. It'd be even more '90s if when they came into Denny's, smoking or non-smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was. I, it's hard to remember, but that was still a thing. I mean, that was a thing for a while. It, was, I, it wasn't until like '99 when I think in New York they outlawed. It's, it's and I remember my mom was pissed off because I always hated as a kid like smoking section and then like. Ugh, I I, like, I mean I totally remember it. I remember being in smoking sections, but it seems like a world ago. Like it never it never happened. Like, like that was such a crazy time. I know. Just thinking, yeah. Well, just like thinking about like this was used to be a thing. Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's, it's a weird thought that, well, that at least was... they had the courtesy. If you're gonna light up, <clears throat> here's a section where everyone's, you know. I guess. <laughs> it's like, well, you want to die, you die faster. <laughs> Hopefully, you know everybody's smoking things that smell good to you. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was a crazy. That was a weird time for sure. Well, wouldn't it be nice if they still had that? You can go to Pizza Hut and smoke a cigar. <laughs> 
I guess. You know, like, I'm having this pe- stuff across pepperonis. <laughs> yeah, what, what would go better? <laughs> and then lighting just... up my ass is blondie, too, you know. Like, pop, pop, yep, there we go. And <laughs> what would go better? Um, What do you think, because this film definitely uh, incorporates like, very early CGI in it and green screen backgrounds. What do you think of uh, the special effects in this film now? I mean, I'm fine with green screen, even when it's terrible, because it's just a trick as old as, like, cinema itself in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. So, like, even, like, when it's, like, distracting in movies, I don't, like, it doesn't really bother me unless it's, like, really terribly bad, which in this it's not terribly bad. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, when they're, like, something like this, like, set design, like, when they're at the North Pole outside waiting to be brought into Santa's lair for the first time. You know, you can like, yeah, that totally looks like a soundstage, not the North Pole. Yeah. You know, the way the snow looks and how fake, yeah, the, you know. the, Some of those things really just jump out at it's you It's like, now. yeah, that's, you know, that's... But again, I don't have a problem with that, because like, well, at least they didn't have a fucking CGI background. But when they did use it, like, with the reindeer flight, like, when in the sled, no, it looks... The, the last scene, looks we're like, flying off into the... Yeah, it looks like a Sega CD, like, you know... No. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely does look like animation for sure. One thing I gotta commend them on is not using CGI or or uh, green screen reindeer because we're they probably would have been probably too expensive. Yeah, then, for but... sure. Yeah, they definitely well, like, fuck it. We'll just go to a reindeer farm. They definitely do have like the fake reindeer, but they didn't resort to actually having like a CGI reindeer setup. They actually you you know had some some practical effects for that. This is kind of kind of nice even though like it's not you know they're not anything now that we'd look at and say like wow that was impressive um it's still nice to have those practical it's nice, no, yeah, yeah no it's a nice touch i agree i like that I like that a lot though they do make comet's eyes and mouth look you know kind of like fucking mr red like, <laughs> you know, like yeah Hur. um one thing that we didn't bring up that we we talked about when we were watching the movie is uh when Scott receives the list <laughs> proudly displayed by Federal, by F- by Federal Express. Uh, FedEx for you youngins. Yeah. Uh, Which I don't even remember when they made like the switch and like the logo design. No idea. Because as long as I can remember, it's always been FedEx. Yeah, they, uh, they, they proudly delivered the list. And the one thing that's funny is, first of all, Scott answers the door. And he's told that he's got he's getting a package. He didn't see he's getting, these five vans. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah he's he's getting in this pa- these packages, and he's like, "Oh, a package!" And like, "Oh, you've got a few." And uh, first of all, at that point, obviously there's no Amazon. So if you're getting a package, where the fuck would it been? You would be curious. You'd be like, "What? What well, is like, this I know, package?" Like, like wait, you what am I signing? Like, oh, what? goody. <laughs> no, like, wait, like, wait, what am I signing for to accept? Here, it's like you know? seven Encyclopedia Britannicas that. <laughs> came <laughs> somebody put you down for in a mail order um no but it's so, so he's not really questioning that but then the thing i love the most is that this federal express guy is so like nonchalantly like yeah there's a few packages and then it turns out being like seven thousand boxes that five federal express vans had to deliver yeah and which because uh, what happens too is uh, he's like oh great i'm gonna finish shaving you know just leave it in which by the way another thing today would you like if like the mailman came like oh I'm gonna go fucking you know take a shit you you know <laughs> do whatever you want free, in the house have, yeah have free range of dropping the shit off here at my house you know no you wouldn't do that you'd be like oh you know I don't think the Federal Express guys would do it <laughs> I don't think they would come into the house like that 
and just drop things off. Well, maybe they're like, well, they get paid hourly, so yeah, they're maybe. probably like, yeah, we're not getting enough hours, you know. So. But but my favorite thing is that this guy it just does not react the way I would react because if I had seven thousand boxes to deliver. I would be, going, be marching like, up to that door and being like, are you, hey, like, you Scott Calvin? And be like, yeah, I'm Scott Calvin. Be like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck is in all of these 7,000 packages? Because we have to unload all of these. That's that's what I would We be don't like. have enough hand cart dollies at the warehouse for this. This is that, nonsense. Yeah. There would no, no, in no way would I just be like, well, you've got a few packages. <laughs> that's the understatement of the year <laughs> for like 7,000 <laughs> packages. And not, not only that... These are like reams of paper. So at that point, they're, it's not like it's like a, a light box. It's like a 15-pound <laughs> like, box of paper. I know. It comes, like, the boxes like, look like fish tackles. Like they're coming in. Like, yeah. They, you know, like... yeah. The Federal Express guys would not be happy with this <laughs> delivery. Um, I bet they all, when they drove off after that delivery, they stopped at the bar. I can like, see them like, like, just having the window open with a fucking thing, middle finger out. <laughs> just like... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I would do if I was that. Yeah, half the where half the warehouse had to come down here to bring your shit. I hope you're happy. No one else is getting their mail today because of you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no one else. We had to bring the entire FedEx, <laughs> the entire FedEx crew down <laughs> that lives in the city. Yeah. Um, the other like we brought up in the beginning, and I want to talk about it is uh the the span of time that takes place in the Santa Claus. So one thing I do like, and this is a pet peeve of mine. And it's really stupid. I, I I get that it's stupid, but I don't really love when Christmas movies, um, actually go through to and 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 Christmas takes place in the movie. It always feels like a letdown to me because my favorite part of Christmas is the lead up to Christmas. It's not really Christmas Day, so I hate it when movies actually do Christmas Day. You're all foreplay, no action. That's a, that's right. That's right. And so what I like about the Santa Claus is that we see two Christmases. We see the first Christmas where Santa Claus dies and Tim Allen takes his place. And then we see the next Christmas where Tim Allen is actually Santa Claus. So I like that. That's nice. I like it. We get two Christmases out of it. <laughs> However, <clears throat> the one thing that bothers me is the time span of how this, the film shows us the movement in time of well, like how long it takes for this. Okay. One, one thing, this is one thing that always bothers me too. Um, we do get to see the day after Christmas. Snow's gone. <laughs> I hate in mo- I hate in movies <laughs> and TV where you see like oh it snows because it's Christmas it's the magic of Christmas and then the next day gone you know it's like the day before like eh, 110 degrees and then it's kind of like with Hey Arnold like they had back to you know in the same 23 minute episode uh, episode the two you know because they had they two episodes had two, yeah, t- they had the two breaks two stories. but the one time they did the two weather ones the one with extreme heat and then the snow day were in the same ep- you know the same 23 minute box so you had like the snow day episode and then you had the summer heat episode they don't go together well you know it's, you know, it's yeah. too big of a dichotomy it doesn't work it's like wait it just just they had a blizzard this episode now you're saying it's 110 degrees out and the jolly ollie man's Raises prices on ice cream? I think, um... Is it El Nino? What's going on? <laughs> One thing that doesn't really come out, though, is that change from... Like you said, uh, it looks like it's, like, the day after Christmas or the week after Christmas and all the snow's gone. However, it, like, we don't really have a... We don't get a span of time. So we don't even know when Scott begins to, like, experience his change into Santa Claus. We don't really know how long that's been from last christmas 
to the next Christmas that we're celebrating. So, like, is it summer still? I mean, we do see some, like, <clears throat> what tends, what looks like it could be summer months uh, where Charlie's playing soccer. But I, I've never really noticed it, and it, it but it became a kind of an issue in this, in this um, viewing experience where you don't really know how, like, how long is passing during each of these scenes. So it kind of leaves it up to, I, I feel like that takes away some of the impact of like Charlie not getting over his his um obsession with Santa Claus because we don't know if this is a week later. If it's a week later, like that's not that long for him to get over it. But if it's like six months later and he's still stuck on Christmas, then that's a big deal. But we, I feel like it doesn't give us enough time range where you would know like how long is passing. Well, like that there's times too where it seems like Charlie gets to see. Uh, Scott, his dad, you know, often. But then there's times when it seems like, like, he isn't, like it seems like he hasn't seen him in fucking months, you right, know? Like, right. Yeah. And, and they it, live in the same goddamn city, so it's yeah, not like... Yeah, you don't really ever get a, like, um, you don't know how long has passed, like, within, within mm-hmm. each of these scenes. And the biggest one that really impacts the film itself is when Scott returns to um, Charlie's house after they've made the decision that they're not going to allow him to see Charlie anymore. He's so he's lost his, uh, his visitation rights. And, um, he actually takes him with him to the North pole because we have to assume this is Thanksgiving because there's a Turkey on the table. Bernard eats that. And he, he says the Turkey's dry. And that's the time when he was given to to return back to the North pole. Which by the way, that's funny too. Cause, um, Earlier in the film, when Scott burnt the turkey, um, Charlie said, well, Neil can cook. Yeah. Yeah, well, Bernard says otherwise. Bernard, Neil can't cook. Bernard said, yeah. But I think that – so we have to assume that that night when Scott and Charlie leave to actually go to the North Pole is Thanksgiving. So he's been missing for so a month. So he goes missing for a month. And the film plays it off like that's not, not a big deal. I mean, obviously, yes, Neil and Laura have gone to the police, but they know that he's with Scott. But still, that's a big that's a big deal. That's like still kid. Like, it's still kidnapping. That's, kid, that's kidnapping, <laughs> and it's so funny because Santa Claus is kidnapping. So, like that's it, it never really makes that uh, that plot line known, like how long that span is. But it has to be a month. It has to be from Thanksgiving to December twenty fourth, and that's so long. That's crazy to me. And that when he comes back, they're just like, Charlie, we've missed you so much. And they're not like fucking beating Neil or uh, me beating Scott to death. Like, you son of a bitch, you know. Right. Oh, because they just look in his eyes and they go, Santa? <laughs> Which I do. I do love that, too. Because like, like, for no reason at all, Laura's like, it's you. It's really you. Which, by the way, she's singing a way, too. Like, that's the man. Like, kind of like, that's the man I married. That's the man that, you know, gave me a good ride. <clears throat> made this one here and she's all you know and then neil's flipping out because like this is a delusion you're all in a delusion this is crazy and then he looks at him and he's like like a child just like i just love his delivery he's like santa yeah yeah <laughs> he's like, no 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 can't be but I, I, I love that that part i love just like <clears throat> but that that really got me in this in this um viewing because i was like wow charlie's been gone for like a month <laughs> that's a long time <laughs> For like their his family to just be like I don't know where he is. Uh, Scott has him. Hopefully he has good intentions. I don't know. And 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 they kind of just leave it at that. 
then there's no real repercussion from that because then on Christmas Eve, Scott comes back as Santa and he's like, Laura, do you mind if I take him again? <laughs> like, okay, I guess so. Keep sure, you know. <clears throat> and she t- and he takes him again, and it's like, you didn't learn, Laura. He's never coming home this time. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's gonna go live in the North Pole forever. But that time span is definitely an issue. I never really noticed it until now. All right, how Christmassy do you think the Santa Claus is? Pretty Christmassy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was it. That's I all mean, you got. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty Christmassy. I, yeah, no, I, I think it is. You know how some films, they take place around Christmas, but they're not, you know, they don't really have a lot of Christmas stuff happening. That's not the case with Santa Claus. Even, even the parts that don't take place during Christmas time and we're meant to assume are just taking place like during the year, not during Christmas. They seem Christmassy. My favorite part is when it's not Christmas and probably around Thanksgiving is that when Scott has like really just bought into the whole Santa thing. He's like got a fucking ugly reindeer sweater on and the Santa, oh, the Santa Claus Santa. beanie on. His and nice pleated pants. Yeah, and he's and- really bought into it. He just, you know, I, I'm going all out now. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to be Santa. Nice. Very nice. Veronica. <laughs> Very nice. Nice. Uh, I would say it's pretty Christmassy. I mean, you get, as you said, you get two Christmases for the price yeah, of one. That's it's... right. That's right. You get that. Um, multiple uh, Christmas songs. The ending R&B Christmas song from the 90s, which apparently has not topped the charts because I've never heard it besides <laughs> in Santa Claus. Um, the one outlying song out of all the you gotta shit to all everything in the soundtrack is Christmassy or in the original score for the film seems like it belongs in like Forrest Gump or you know a Spielberg film because it's just so full of whimsy you know and magic and then I don't know where you get ZZ Tops give me all your loving for the sequence of Scott getting ready to take off and ride into the night to be Santa. Yeah. I never got that. Just like. ZZ Top. I mean, I love we ZZ Top and I love that song. I love that album, you know, Eliminator. Couldn't they have so. done, they they could they could have grabbed a Christmas song for that. Could have done like the Ramones. You know, Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of Christmas songs, so so why choose ZZ Top for that one? I don't know. It's a good yeah, question. There's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's right. a lot of like, like upbeat, rocky, yeah. rocky Christmas songs like that. Do the Kinks like Father Christmas. Right? Yeah. Could have done, yeah, that would have been perfect, actually. The Kink's Father Christmas for that, because he literally is Father Christmas mm-hmm. at that point, and he's getting ready to take off. So that would, would have been perfect. They really missed out on having you in 1994 give them a soundtrack recommendation. All right, should we Cause, do it? Our- because I would have been like, yeah, you know in Home Alone 2? <laughs> um, Kevin gets put on the wrong plane, you get to hear Tom Payne, the Heartbreakers, Christmas all over again. Just do that for the entire soundtrack. <laughs> That's what I want. Christmas all over again by the Heartbreakers. Go. <laughs> so, um, do you want to give it a rating? Out of 10, yeah. Judge Reinold sweaters. All right. <clears throat> what would you give Santa Claus? Well, it. Pierre Noel. So, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, 
Judge Reinhold sweaters is one the best because you don't want any <laughs> Judge Reinhold sweaters. I want those sweaters. <laughs> you want the sweaters. All right. All I right. want those sweaters. Are you kidding me? So like, wh- wow. Does this include, does the rating include enjoyment? Like a nostalgia enjoyment of the Santa Claus? Well, or? you can factor it because the rating I'm probably going to give it yeah. would, is not going to make sense. It's probably. Though, but when you put the context of nostalgia and all right, all right. as a holiday film, I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. I I I enjoy it quite a bit. Got to give it. See, I'm a stick. I I'm I just I enjoy holiday films quite a bit, so that's automatically going to boost the rating. But I also love the Santa Claus. Um, I would say, you know, in terms of like a holiday movie, one of my favorites, like. Probably, I would say it's like a tie between like this one and Elf and Home Alone is one of my favorite holiday movies. So probably not as high as Home Alone, but definitely above Jingle All the Way. Oh, God, yeah. Some of those other, you know. And you didn't say, you, as you were just mentioning. <clears throat> Christmas your, Vacation, yeah, obviously, uh, is, is way up there. Way right, up there. There you go. I was, so, I was yeah, gonna yeah. say like, but but I would say, I would say Santa Claus is a solid nine based on nostalgia, the fact that Tim Allen reminds me of my dad, <laughs> um, and just the the overall like tone of the film, which I like for a PG film. It does tend to um, have more adult humor in it than probably what we would have gotten when we were kids. So as you watch it, when you get older, you kind of recognize that uh, more adult humor and recognize like the, the jokes that kind of flew over your head at that time. And so I, I think it gets better with, with age. Um, I'll give it an eight. Um, I'll give it eight out of 10 judge Reinhold sweaters. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite holiday films as well. I watch it every year. I don't like, as I've said before, the podcast, as Ryan has said before, too, I'm a Grinch. And I don't really care about Christmas. I don't really care about the holidays. I don't get all excited for all the movies and all that. But this is a movie like Christmas Vacation I watch every year. I've seen it a million times. Um, I think Tim Allen is hilarious in this. I think it's actually one of his better films. You know, easily one of his better films. Um, I think Judge Reynolds hilarious in it. Uh, we didn't really mention... Mention him, but poor Eric Lloyd, who plays Charlie, uh, not a good child actor. <laughs> it's very, it's pretty bad. He's he's annoying, especially now that I'm getting older. He's like annoying <clears throat> as fuck with his whining and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I I think it's it's funny. Um, it has the right amount of Christmas. Um, I like, I love the idea, the overall idea for the movie is ingenious. Just the idea that if something happens to Santa and you put on the suit, you become the new Santa. And the fact that it's actual contract on like a business card, it's fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. Absolutely great idea. I think that's where like the Santa Claus 2, uh, really fell apart is that they tried to, reuse that idea of like another clause well that that you know? that's stupid because yeah. it's like why did no one mention th- you know took them 10 years for bernard to like hey by the way you got to get married by you know so and so yeah i think that's that's they didn't, where they, didn't, it fell they, apart. W- they w- he wouldn't have mentioned that like 
I don't think this idea works like two or three times. <laughs> it works one time. And I think it works so well in the Santa Claus and not so much in the Santa Claus 2 and 3 because you don't really have a whole lot of room for uh, Scott's character to grow anymore. He's Santa Claus and he is who he is and there's not like He's just a little. There's bit not grum- the progression that you get from the Santa, the first one. He's just a little grumpier and sarcastic, you know, than probably what you imagine Chris Kringle to be, right? Because he's still got a little bit of that, you know, curmudgeoniness. Yeah, to him. yeah. And I think that's where those fell apart, and it just didn't work. Uh, bringing him, bringing that idea back again. So I, I'm a big proponent of like with the Santa Claus. I really wish they had just left it alone. Not. Don't go like and and that for me, you know, I, I like to watch a lot of holiday movies for Christmas. Two and three really don't make the cut. I, I, I don't. I've seen two like twice, and I haven't seen three at all. Yeah, I I don't really go out of my way to like watch the Santa Claus two or three. So, I don't know. is that it? Is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. I, I we covered everything that I want to talk about. I. We covered all the funny stuff, all the all the issues that we had. But it's a great film. Like I said, I like it a lot. It's very nostalgic for me. I think it's funny. Yep. You know, a lot of things that are funny. How many times can you watch them over and over again and still laugh? <laughs> There's a lot of things I can remember laughing my ass off to the first time I saw it, and then like after like the second, even by the second time, I'm like yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, not really laughing out loud anymore. Yep. I, I you know still had some good you know portals for this one yeah all right i agree all right next week what do we got on the docket i don't know um we had talked about maybe doing scrooged uh we talked about <clears throat> silent night deadly night three obviously and um i don't know we'll see i think uh I, yeah i think I, we won't announce it i think we'll leave it up for for debate until we get to next week and uh, it'll be a surprise. It'll be like a Christmas gift as we uh, move through the, f- I guess, four weeks until we get to Christmas. So yeah. we're, we should be back every Thursday until Christmas. That'll be fun. Um, all right. So stay tuned for uh, our next episodes in our Festivus series for 2017. You can catch us online at our website, bloodandblackrumpodcast.wordpress.com or on our uh, Coltsploitation Podcast Network at Coltsploitation.com. You can find us on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcasting app. Please leave us a review and rating so that uh, we get noticed, other people listen to us, download our episodes. Um, we are on uh, Twitter at, at Blood and Black Rum. We're on Facebook, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. And we also have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. In January, we are going to a t- uh, bi weekly schedule. And our episodes will release on Fridays. However, you can get them a day early on Thursday if you sign up for our Patreon account and you donate $1. So that's $1 a month. uh, And you get all the episodes early. Um, Other than that, we will be back next week with another Christmas movie in our Festivus series. And we hope you'll stay tuned and have a happy holiday. Take care.